Hey, Michelle, how's it going? It's going. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm having a lot of feelings today, but I feel like I'm going to use the feelings and I'm going to put them into this episode and we're going to get real raw and... Uh, unintended? <laughs> unintended? Sorry. Unintended rawness? <laughs> Listen, I'm going to be super open and honest with you guys today, and you're going to learn some things about me that maybe you never wanted to know, but I'm okay with that um, because I think that we should always have open and honest discussions about all topics. Um, and so when I was planning uh, today's episode, uh, Michelle and I were just talking about this before we started recording, but I actually picked like four different topics and completely different, like to totally not related at all. And I was, I was whittling them down and then I was like, okay, I have got the topic that I would like to discuss today. And so um, here's a little disclaimer um, before we begin. Uh, this uh, topic is definitely not suitable for work and it is not suitable for anybody under the age of 18. Uh, we will be talking about um, sex, all things related to sex, including uh, abortion, assault, kinks, fetishes, fantasies, history, psychology. We're going to go into it, okay? Feminism, just we're going to talk about a lot of things. And so for any viewers that aren't comfortable talking about sex, this episode is not going to be for you. So you should just go ahead and bounce out. All right. <clears throat> now, and then bounce back in next month. Yeah. <laughs> right. Cause Michelle's going to not pick a sex topic. She's going to, I don't know what she's going to talk about. She'll pick something else. Maybe psychology yeah. related. Yeah. Okay. So there's my disclaimer and I will be talking about my own experiences with a lot of the things that I just uh, touched on above. Um, but I'm also going to be, um, I found some really good resources. One of the books that I found is um, written by these two woke ass bitches. Sorry, they're not bitches. Uh, they're cool fe females who um, have a podcast and it's now going to be, I'm going to add it to my to listen to list because it sounds right up my alley. I didn't listen to the podcast, FYI. Um, I just found their Read book. the book by them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but you liked the, the tone of the book, so oh my god, I love the tone of the book. They're 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 actually comedians and they're in New York, super liberal. I feel like just based on reading their stories, they either both of them are Jewish or one of them is Jewish. Anyway, so they they've had some experiences just like all of us have and it just it, it it sounds really great so the the podcast is called guys we fucked the anti slut shaming podcast oh i like that uh, yep so it's uh corinne corinne fisher and christina hutchinson um and so the book that they wrote is called fucked being sexually explorative and self-confident in a world that's screwed <laughs> So I'm going to, I have a bunch of quotes like from them, um, but I, I wanted to actually kind of start out with a brief history of, of sec human sexuality. So right. obviously human sexuality has existed since the beginning of mankind. <laughs> Hello, sex is used for reproduction. So obviously if we have- It's kind of necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and but it, it's also been documented for thousands of years um, since we've been, you know, since humans have been documenting history, which is like thousands of years. Humans are one of the only animals who use sex as a means for pleasure and not just for reproduction as the majority of other animal species do. And I've heard, um, I didn't look this up for, specifically for this podcast, but I've heard that dolphin species are also like the other animal species that also have sex for pleasure. Um, I, not it's my understanding that there's probably like a handful I'm not sure what they all are, but there's probably a handful. A handful. Okay. So there are some other species, but most animals are using sex as a form of reproduction solely. That's what their that's their purpose. And so here's a quote that I found. I oh, so I found this um other amazing website. Um, and it's called it's nobaproject.com. And so they actually talk about like the history and um, basically about scientific investigation into human sexuality. So they talk about like three main people in history that were like folk science scientists or psychologists that were focused on learning about human sexuality. And then they, they talk about sex, gender, sexual orientation, consent, you know, th things that are important to talk about. And so their quote about the history is that um, or just about sexuality in general. Okay, so here's the quote. Sexuality is one of the fundamental drives behind everyone's feelings, thoughts, and behaviors. It defines the means of biological reproduction, describes psychological and sociological re representations of self, and orients a person's attractions to others. Further, it shapes the brain and body to be pleasure-seeking. Yet, as important as sexuality is to being human, it is often viewed as a taboo topic for personal or scientific inquiry, which is exactly why I want to talk about it, because I love talking about taboo subjects. Love it. Um, yes. Yes. Okay, so here's a brief history, which is from the website NOBA. Um, okay, so the history of human sexuality is as long as human history itself, which is 200,000 plus years in counting. For almost as long as we have been having sex, we have been creating art, writing, and talking about it. Some of the earliest recovered artifacts from ancient cultures are thought to be fertility totems, actually. Uh, the Hindu Kama Sutra is an ancient text which discusses love, desire, and pleasure, which includes a how-to manual for having sexual intercourse. They all, uh, there's also rules, advice, and stories about sex contained in the Muslim Quran, the Jewish Torah, and the Christian Bible. By contrast, people have been scientifically investigating sex for only about 125 years. Okay, so that's literally since the early 1900s. This is when, you know, scientific research was, was going on. So the first scientific investigations of sex um, employed the case study method of research. Um, so they so this was done by the English physician Henry Havelock Ellis, who was alive from 1859 and he died in 1939. And he examined diverse topics within sexuality, including arousal and masturbation. From 1897 to 1923, his findings were published in a seven-volume set of books titled Studies in the Psychology of Sex. Among his most noteworthy findings is that transgender people are distinct from homosexual people. 
Ellis's studies led him to be an advocate of equal rights for women and comprehensive human sexuality education in public schools. Um, also, using the case study method, the Austrian neurologist, neurologist Sigmund Freud. Yes, that crazy. Oh, we talked about him. Oh, yeah. He is credited with being the first scientist to link sex to healthy development and to recognize humans as being sexual throughout their lifespans, including childhood. Freud argued that people progress through five stages of psychosexual development. Perhaps you guys have heard of this before. The oral stage, the anal stage, the phallic stage, the latent stage, and the genital stage. According to Freud, each of these stages could be passed through in a healthy or an unhealthy manner. So in unhealthy manners, people might develop psychological problems such as frigidity, impotence, or anal retentiveness. Okay. And then we've got the American biologist, Alfred Kinsey. He is commonly referred to as the father of human sexuality research. Kinsey was a world-renowned expert on wasps, okay, but he later changed his focus to the study of humans, okay? I don't know how that That's happened. a transition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, here we go. This, sh this shift happened because he wanted to teach a course on marriage, but found data on human sexual behavior lacking. He believed that sexual knowledge was the product of guesswork and had never really been studied systematically or in an unbiased way. So he decided to collect information himself using the survey method, and he set a goal of interviewing 100,000 people about their sexual histories. He did not reach that goal, but he still managed to collect 18,000 interviews, and that is pretty awesome considering the time was the early 1900s so we didn't have computers or, or any of you know social media or any of that stuff so he like went door to door or i don't know how he found these 18,000 people but um that's crazy yeah he found them and um interviews that he had like quote unquote behind closed doors that he um investigated the behaviors a lot of them, a lot of these behaviors um, by contemporary scientists today are actually based on Kinsey's initial uh, work. So that's pretty interesting. Throughout our discussion, we'll, I'll probably reference um, history because when we talk about certain uh, trends within human sexuality, it's interesting to note you know maybe where the first instance of this was noted in history bdsm probably started in the 1600s like being documented through books and stuff like that so that's pretty interesting it was actually said so i found <laughs> i went down a little rabbit hole on reddit um <laughs> and i i found this thread and it's it was titled how far back in history do bdsm and other forms of kink go and so you know one of the one of the people one of the like historians that um responded um so how far back in history do bdsm and other forms of kink go so how like how far back in time and he said probably back into prehistory and beyond he is this person is and his name is um annals pornography pornography yeah okay this was six okay. years ago. Yes. Okay. So he says um, the answer is probably back into um, he's not a major believer that we're really any more or less dirty or kinky than we've ever been. Right. And I, you, we have to know this, right? Like 
people, humans have been experiencing sex since the beginning of our kind. Of course, people have probably been doing weird shit forever, right? But like, we haven't been documenting it necessarily because it, these things are not the norm. You know, they're not cultural norms or whatever. Well, I would probably say that um, just because we it's been going on yeah like people haven't been talking about it because yeah it's socially unacceptable i'm using air quotes but also we have like so much more information now oh right and actually like we well, can the spreading of information oh i'm guessing gosh. you'll get there yeah well i will but i mean you bring up a good point though because with all of this information that we have and all of the social media and like everything like that you would think that that we would have like the that talking about these things would be more so socially acceptable but i fear that even in 2022 all the things that we're going to be talking about today are still being shamed you know people are still being called sluts and we're still being slut shamed as women and women are still looked as the less like we're lesser than men or whatever and and this Absolutely. is like and let's just take gender out of it right okay so it's just like people who aren't cisgender men typically are seen as less than in mm -hmm. society still um and that's just fucking bullshit okay and and that's what you know christina and and uh and um Cor corinne they they think the same thing and so do some of these you know other people that i found just like whatever like culture is stupid going back to bdsm this dude mm -hmm. says that um the answer lies somewhere between the mid 1600s and the late 1800s with the history of libertin libertinism <laughs> and a few famous libertines that are instrumental in creating and sustaining a culture that would later develop into conscious bdsm and kink culture um, so basically, I guess, you know, this was like in Europe, in Europe, in the in the late 17th century, they were undergoing a dramatic shift in their overall attitude towards sex and sexual morality. And so um, because of the age of enlightenment. Right. And so there was the whole Pro Protestant um, reform in England. And then there was the whole Catholic counter reform reform reformation, say, um, which they all had major impacts on education and philosophy. And they caused a shift from traditional lines of authority, such as the church and Christian morality to an emphasis on reason, science and individual individualism. People started questioning the Bible and the Old Testament at this time, which we should still be questioning, but that's just my opinion. Okay. I think uh, people so still are, don't worry. <laughs> Okay, good. Specifically, the seventh commandment, which is thou shall not commit adultery. And there's apparently other, you know, verses in the Bible against fornication, whoring, and sexual activity. And so they people started questioning these and they're like, and we're going to reinterpret these now for our, you know, we, we want to reinterpret these for our, uh, so that we can put this in you know, into perspective right for our current society and that's what people still do today so that's great plus we have to remember side note but a lot of these 
old ass texts because they're old as fuck, right? A lot of meanings have been lost in translation, I would say. And one thing that I that I just uh, saw the other day was about regarding um, homosexuality and how you know Bible thumpers are always like, oh, it says in the Bible that you can't be gay. Well, it turns out that the Bible was talking about not laying with boys, not men. So the Bible is like not against pedophilia as it should be, not against homosexuality. Okay, so I just want to. I mean, but also, doesn't the Bible talk about not stealing? Like, yeah. does doesn't it talk about like other things that people go against? So like, what? I don't oh, know. Right. It, it okay, just, I'm sorry. It, it, yeah. Yeah, it I makes like, me like the other laugh commandments, at, like no yeah. stealing, do not uh, use Gluttony, God's name in like, vain, right? which I do like, every all day. All those things um, which people yeah. do all the time. So that's what that's the hill we're going to die on is homosexuality yeah, that yeah, isn't yeah. even mentioned. No, no, no. Yeah, I, I know. I just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, so I, like, yeah, I'm glad you did. Okay, Keep going. good. Don't be a pedophile, but if you want to lay with a, a same-sex person go for it. Like Michelle and I support you. Okay. Um, right. Michelle, you, yeah, you, you support. Okay. Great. I know I just spoke for you, but she does. Heck yeah. Yes. I have two pride flags hanging up above my like little recording area right now. And I was actually thinking about how I want to put ally on them. Yeah. Like, but yeah, heck yeah. I stand for it. Heck yeah. There was this other thing that was like, why don't I was I think it was on TikTok. It was like, why don't we add straight into the LGBTQ AI plus like yeah? <laughs> uh, did you see that too? And yeah. it was like, and just you know, let's just throw you guys in there too. So then you're part of the community. Yeah, everybody's a part of the community. So there you go. Um, anyway, I I digress, but. But basically, I guess what I'm getting at is that you know, people have been questioning societal norms. I'm using quotes. You guys can't see that, but I'm using quotes. I think since the invention of societal norms, right? Excuse me. And when we talk specifically about like women's sexuality, if you look back at the 1600s, if you guys remember a little thing called the Salem witch trials, oh yes, oh yes, I think you do. Um, and here's a here's a quote. <laughs> You're gonna, you guys are gonna love uh, Corinne and Christina's voice. They're amazing. But I, I, <laughs> I took a quote from them. It's a good one. I'm guessing. It's a good one. Why do we associate the things that make us feel the best with sin? Why won't we allow ourselves to bask in worldly pleasures? Women especially seem to have a difficult time with this, probably because our vaginas have been treated like a long-stemmed rose on an episode of The Bachelorette. We have only a certain number we can give out, and after that, it's over. It's the age-old question. How many pussy licks does it take to get to the slut hidden in all of us? Oh, oh my god that's not a saying. That's just some bullshit society made up one day because, you know, women were getting out of hand oh right? my god i love right? that right they're amazing okay wait so no but they were talking about there was like this other quote they were talking about witchcraft specifically oh yeah here we go 
Um, shame is nothing new. It's been used for centuries. And public humiliation as a form of punishment has always been popular in the United States. Yes, it has. During the 17th century, women who didn't fit the societal norm were accused of witchcraft. Imperfections such as having an extra nipple or mole, not having children, being difficult to get along with, being someone people were envious of, serving spoiled milk, or being poor or of low status were all signs of being a witch. Cool. Oh, and if you were a woman who was sexually liberated, to the stakes with you and that witchcraft. Female sexuality in particular has seemed to cause mass panic over the ages. And just as witches were physically hung, sluts are now socially hung. In the 1990s, cough, Monica Lewinsky, cough, this shaming really began to rear its ugly head once again. Being accused of being a quote-unquote slut has become the modern-day equivalent of being accused of being a witch in Salem of the 1600s. A sexually explorative woman who is shunned and shamed by much of society because they don't fully understand her and therefore she must be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, ladies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh, so, but, so then they go on to talk about how shame has, um, in today's society, in the way that we are shaming people in social media, and how there's this whole, um, like, negative connotation, rather than having a scarlet letter, right, we don't have the A, like, on people's clothes anymore, like they wrote about in the scarlet, you know, the book, The Scarlet Letter. But there's like newer, sub subtler forms of shame and judgment, like re received and given freely on the internet, right? And and it's like, since social media, like you kind of have more of a, there's no, it's more of like an anon anonymous, like even though you're not anonymous, obviously, like you have your profile, and you have your like information out there. But it's like, we can use these platforms to say shit that we probably wouldn't say to somebody's face necessarily. I mean, I would because that's just how I am, but- I mean, I keyboard warriors, it's, it's all it is. I think it falls under like sex. It falls under like bullying. It falls, yeah. I mean, you have keyboard warriors where they don't have to directly face the consequences of their actions. So they'll say whatever because <laughs> that consequence, immediate consequence isn't present. Right. All of this hatred that's being spread about on the internet and it's like rapid um, succession. Also, what we see in society in, in terms of pop culture and and just like, you know, talking about, you know, like Monica Lewinsky. OK, so back in the 1990s, that was still a sexual like women's sexual liberation was still kind of like a thing that they didn't talk about in popular culture. And I feel like I don't know when, you know, since we grew up, you know, born in the 80s, but we were raised in the 90s, and then we we were in school, we were in college and high school in the, like, early 2000s. Like, Michelle and I literally went to high school 2000 to 2004, and then we went to college 2004 to 2008. So if you think about the time that that Michelle and I were, and other people in our age group, were, were kind of dealing with our like sexuality and kind of coming to terms with this was still a time when slut shaming was a very, very real thing. And it still is today, but it's like, it's- it I feel like it was bigger. 
I feel like it was bigger. And and if you because we it, had people like Christina Aguilera and oh, Lil yeah. Kim and like yeah. a bunch of pop culture icons that kind of I mean Christina Aguilera is the one that like kind of sticks out to me the most. Love I feel her. like had the most impact yeah. on my uh, like on view personal. of sexuality. Okay. Yeah, because she was always like essentially fuck that if a man can do it I can do it too I'm proud of who I am I'm very happy with who I am and like it's like women like she was like the beginning of women's empowerment where like Britney Spears was essentially being slut shamed all the time and like um was more of the good girl I'm using air quotes yeah 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 um and but Christina Aguilera like like, the bad girl like yeah and she was always like in your face about it yeah um yeah that's just what I remember from high school is that I know yeah and I all I did I was like oh Christina is such a badass like the fact that because I feel like when she's the only girl I would make out with I think oh she's hot as fuck and I've made out with many a girls but yes for sure would i might do more things with christina actually so christina if you're listening she is like married with kids all right she's that's fine i feel like she's bisexual and if she wants to get her freak on then let her do it all right um that's fine but i I, I think no, she's I in a committed I know. relationship. She's, she's in a committed relationship. I, we're going to talk about that, you guys, okay? <laughs> Monogamy, <laughs> polygamy, I mean, polyamory. Sorry, not polygamy, polyamory. Um, I feel like I might be polyamorous, but we're. I'm still exploring my sexuality, which is why we got ourselves into this conversation today, all right? Um, we're, I'm just going to lay it all on the line. Okay, so recently um, I had three sexual partners like that I was I was just like kind of dating kind of dating like two guys at a time and then this like third guy came into the picture and then one of the other guys literally dropped off the face of the fucking earth um still kind of sad about that feel like I need some closure so I wrote him a letter actually I didn't send him the letter but I wrote the letter and I put it I sealed the envelope. I and I put his address on the envelope and I so I could send it, right? But it's just like the power of writing down the like your feelings. So like journaling very effective first of all. I still kind I'm still holding on hope that he will contact me again. Like that he will reach out back out to me, but he won't and I know this, but I'm still sad. So um, it's okay to have the hope. Yes, I know, but it's like, how? When will you learn, Janine? You keep having these karmic cycles with men that don't treat you like you deserve to be treated, and then you wonder why you are unsatisfied, and that you're. <laughs> I don't wonder. I know. I know that this is a path. Okay, so in talking about like shame, I kind of wanted to give you guys um my personal shame stories that i can that i was thinking about like while while i was coming up with the topic um for today's episode and just wanted to preface this with so when i was a a young child i think i was six or i think i was six years old that's when i really started or that's when i remember being into sex just like really fascinated with sex. Not, I mean, I don't, as a six-year-old, I don't think I, I don't 
think I really understood what it was even after I learned. Um, so here's a funny story. Um, when I was in first grade, apparently I would go around telling people, all, all people, that I wanted to have sex with them, but I didn't actually know what it meant. Um, and I went to a parochial school, went to a Lutheran school. Yeah, so that's frowned upon, obviously. And so the... Uh, Sorry, the, I don't mean to be laughing at you. No, it's, it's hilarious. It is real funny. Um, and so then I guess the teachers, the principal, whatever, they like contacted my parents and they're like, yeah, so uh, Janine's been telling people that she's going to be like, she's going to have sex with them. So I feel you guys need to like have a conversation with her so that she understands what this is. And so my parents bought me the book. Oh, it was a lovely descriptive book. It was animated. Okay. But it was very um, like detail animated and it's called where do babies come from all right look up this gem i don't actually know if it's still in production but it was great michelle's looking it up right now yes please. i totally am <laughs> look, look it up um the drawings were kind of as as a six-year-old like remembering back as my six-year-old mind i was like oh these people like they made the people look just like middle-aged like white married. people yeah middle-aged white married. oh yeah it's Oh my Hold god, on. did Is you it find this? it? No. Oh. It says girls ages six to eight. So one of the things that I found um in doing sexual sex education with people with disabilities, I had to find so many freaking books about like like to teach them about their body parts because the other thing is like people with disabilities have a higher risk of being um sexually assaulted. Assaulted, yeah. Um, especially when they're dependent on people for care, like, well, someone has to help them in the bathroom. So someone is going to see them naked. So they don't know how to differentiate between when it's okay and when it's not. So right. that's like a whole another topic that we can talk about another time. But so I had to do a lot of research and find a lot of books. And I found um, there was one young man that I was dealing with that I had to find books and it was like penis pictures. And well, oh my God, there was one time I was working on a social story for someone who kept masturbating in yes, like the yes. living room like the common area and oh, he had yes. housemates so it's not appropriate to pull out yeah. your dick right 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 and in a common area like if you want to do that just go to your room or unless everybody is down with it right consent right but but okay. the people that he lived with couldn't consent yeah so with that sorry I, I got you yeah but so I had to I was looking up um social story pictures of like penises to put on this social story and I had I was in a corner office so there was a window behind me and a window next to me and the guy that was mowing the lawn like happened to come by as there was like a giant picture of a pe like a uh, not like a an actual penis but like a the diagram of like a penis like a cartoon okay. penis yeah and it was hilarious I was like oh my god this guy just probably like what is this chick doing but I promise it was for work was it this one? <sighs> no I remember it being like the cover was it was black and white and it was like big it was like all caps letters where do babies come from and I don't remember it having a picture on the front I feel like it was just like black and white and then when you open the book Man, you know what, Michelle? Was it called Where Did I Come From? Oh, maybe it was that book. What does that look like? Show it to me. Oh, possibly. Are there any pages on it? Five to ten years old. Where Did I Come? An illustrated children's book on human sexuality. 
no i can't look into it now listen my parents might actually still have this book on their bookshelf so i will find the book you guys and i will post it on our social so you can see what i'm talking about okay oops i'm sending you this book because this seems um very very likely that it was this book it might you know what it may have been that book so thank you for saying to me okay so Okay, so then I was like, oh, so that's what sex is. So basically, it was like, it was talking about the reproduction piece of sex, right? Um, I don't think that I realized that sex was supposed to be like a pleasurable, pleasurable thing until like a little later on in my life. Um, And you know, just 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 so you guys get a little bit more background into my sexual experience. I didn't really do anything. Um, I didn't kiss my first boy until I was 16. And um, and then he cheated on me. So like that was kind of an, an interest because I didn't want to have sex with him. So because I wasn't ready because I literally just fucking made out with somebody for the first time. You know what I mean? So right. whatever. I don't feel guilty about that, about like having boundaries. Like I feel really good about that actually. But it's just like, so I didn't, I didn't have really any like sexual experience when I was in high school. And then I went to college. And um, as you guys recall, Michelle and I met in college and we went to Arizona State University, um, which was the uh, one of the largest uh, schools in terms of population in the Mm -hmm. nation. Yep. I feel like it still is and I didn't know anybody okay so I know we've talked about this before but literally I was able to go to Arizona and I was able to like kind of create this like new persona now this new persona didn't happen for the first it it was kind of like a transition for the first couple weeks that we were in school we were learning you know we were meeting all the people that lived on our floor and so like I met Michelle and we did all these like um we did these like the first couple weekends. I know we did like floor activities where the yeah, whole yeah, it was a lot of like everyone meeting each other and getting yeah. to know each other. Doing, like, I know we went rock climbing one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember going rock climbing. I remember going um to the lawn that was in front of the the fitness center, and we played like some. Oh, I remember uh, that. Yeah, some some game like frisbee. No, we played some game. I don't remember, games. but I remember going there. Yeah, yeah, and like um. So it was like a bonding, like, hey, learn your, like, your floor mates. Like, you guys are all in education. Like, yay, like, let's do this. And I remember, like, I actually have a picture of myself and, like, Allie. And Mm -hmm. it was, like, when I was still very much a naive, innocent, I was still a virgin, okay? And I was still very unexperienced and still very much myself, like, um like myself from Colorado right like it was before I kind of went through this like transition of like oh I can reinvent myself and I can do all these things right okay so like I would say um uh one of my first shames like around um sexuality was when I lost my virginity um and the reason it was so shameful is because one i literally met the guy like the day before okay and it was um 
we, Michelle and I lived in a high rise. It doesn't exist anymore. It was called Manzanita Hall, and it was fifteen. It's still there. No, they tore it down. No, they didn't. Michelle, when when was the last time you and I went to Arizona? Twenty fourteen. Yeah. When's the last time you went to Arizona? Uh, in April. Of this year, Manzanita is still there with it's the triangle there. windows. With yes. the triangle yes. windows. Yes, it's still there. I don't think it's what? being used as a dorm anymore, but it still exists. What the fuck? I somebody told me that they tore it down. Mm -mm. Okay, well, uh, so obviously you were just there, so I believe you. Okay, but so I guess it still exists. So if you guys, I thought it was torn school, down too, but okay, it's on University and um, something. Yeah, so yeah, go check it out. It it's got triangle windows. It's great. Anyway, so that's where we lived. 15 floors um and every floor was most of them were like living and learning communities that's what they called them so like we were in the on the education floor then they had like 10 different like they had like five different engineering floors they had um what was where were some the business they had like a business floor they had like a um like whatever i can't remember what the other floors were but one of the things that i did um, that I remember doing in the first couple of weeks of being like in school is we would party in the dorm because I didn't know anybody yet. And so in order to meet people, we would level hop. So we would literally go up to other levels uh -huh. and, and people used to have um, their, you know, people would keep their doors open if they wanted company or whatever. And so I remember going up to the fourth floor, which I think was an engineering floor. And there was this guy Okay, the dude's name was Dave, by the way. Um, I don't know his last name. <laughs> Couldn't tell you. And I think he was like 19 and he was from California. Uh, Southern California. Don't remember the city. But remember the song um, by Oasis Wonderwall? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, you oh, know yeah. that song? Oh, yeah. That was my fucking jam. And dude was playing that song on a guitar. Okay, so. I mean, that would make any girl yeah. spoon let's think about this 18 year old janine super naive real fucking naive you guys i'm still pretty naive but i i would like to think that i'm less naive now because it's been almost 20 years um but 18 year old janine was very naive and um yeah so apparently um i don't re really remember like he was playing the song and i was like oh my god i fucking love wonderwall like whatever and then he lived on the other side of campus. He lived in Sonora. 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 He lived in one of those that was on the way other side of campus. Um, and I remember like, so he invited me to come over. And so we walked over there because he was he was always hanging out at Manzi. But we walked over to his dorm and um we were in his room because like they had like a weird they had like a whole kitchen like apartment situation like their 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 dorms were different they literally had like a little apartment yeah and then, had, and then like uh, rooms off of that right like their common area had a kitchen and stuff exactly, yeah. yeah that exactly. was one of the ones i was trying to get into yeah 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 so he lived in that and so i think he had a couple like he had like there were like four of them right it's like four you have like four roommates or whatever that share the common area and then um I remember like we were making out like whatever and then he so i had never given head before ever never given head 
I thought it was repulsive. Okay. That's what, that's what my 18 year old th self thought. I was like, no, I don't want to put your dick in my mouth, but you can put it in my vagina. You can take my virginity. Okay. So I, I, I think I literally said to him, no, I don't want, um, I don't want to give you head, but I, or I would rather lose my virginity than give you head. I think that's, I think those were my exact words. And, um, he was like, okay. And, um, yeah, he, uh, took my virginity. It was not a good, ex it was not an enjoyable, uh, don't, I really don't think that any women's first times are going to be enjoyable. Let's just put it, let's just put it out there. Cause it's not comfortable. It fucking hurts. And, um, like, I know, sorry if this is TMI, but like when I first got my period, the thought of even putting a tampon in was like scary was scary and it hurt it was uncomfortable so yeah so that's that's what i kind of remember being with this dude and i bled and then i i did i slept in his bed um and then the next morning like we literally didn't talk and i had to do the walk of shame across the whole fucking campus um and it was it was still, it was probably still August or September at this point. So it was hot as fuck, you guys, because we were in Arizona. Yeah. And I, was I, I don't think I was drunk. I don't think I was drunk, but I felt so ashamed of my behavior. I felt so, I don't think I really felt actually that ashamed about it until I, I saw Dave in front of Manzi, like, the next day or like the day after like he had taken my v card and i waved at him and i was like hey dave and he literally acknowledged me and kept walking did not wave didn't say hi to me didn't do anything so like that was literally my first experience with sex it and was terrible it was terrible and um and then so i remember the first guy i had sex with i remember the second guy i had sex with and then everything kind of gets blurry <laughs> after that. Um, and then, okay, so the second guy I had sex with was also in Manzi, and he was um, on the seventh. He was an engineer dude or whatever. Phil, remember him with the fro? No? Okay. No. Well, okay, so he was, that was my second partner. Um, and then um, Michelle already knows this, but basically my whole college uh, career, I I had a lot of one night stands, like a lot. Um, and I don't I don't feel ashamed about this like now, but I feel like looking back at my like 18 through 22 year old self, and actually later than that because I was in into my 20s, you know, before I got pregnant, I was still um drinking very heavily i was and i was still like sleeping around um which i you know christina aguilera i was like all right right like we should be able to have sex just like men do like why you know why should right. i be called a slut um for doing the same thing that fucking guys do but whatever so i guess in the back of my head though i always thought and i i know this is incorrect now but I always thought that sex equated to love. And so I always thought in the back of my head that if I had sex with somebody, that he would love me. I literally thought that. Um, 
And so I feel, I think I felt, I think I feel ashamed for like thinking that, um, because it's definitely not true. And so this, this other very visceral memory of, from in college, I was hanging out at Papago Park. Remember that apartment? Uh -huh. complex? Yeah. And fuck, you might've been there, but you might've left. Um, cause I feel like we were, it was like, we were, it was because we, we were... had a lot of like friends who lived at Papago, but that's yeah. where like I feel like Jim lived at Papago later, and then um, Teresa lived at Papago too at some point. Yeah, but I think this was a party that we went to with um, Jenny Bay and some other random girl that we met somehow, and uh. Danny was there. Okay. Um, so we were definitely living at the village at the time. And I don't, so I don't honestly, Michelle, I don't know if you were there or not, but I know Danny was there um, because she consoled me <laughs> after this incident. So basically what happened I love was, Danny. We, she was so sweet. So sweet. So we were at this party and I started talking to this guy and he is a fucking dick. Like he is not hiding the fact that he's an asshole. Like he is being very mean and just like probably talking down to me because, um, you know, at the time, um, I still had a really, 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 really low self-esteem. Um, well, yeah, you were definitely craving approval. Yes. Yes. Okay. So dude was just being a dick. Okay. Then I end up going with him back to his apartment. Cause he lived at Papago. He was just like at a neighbor's house, like partying, whatever. And we have sex and I literally started crying, like sob by bawling my eyes out while we were ha having sex. And he, um, he told me that I needed to stop crying, that I was being too loud and that I was going to wake his roommates up and that I needed to get out. He, so he literally kicked me out, um, while I was like crying and then I was, so I was drunk. I was very drunk, um, but I'm not, uh, and, and the, the ladies of the podcast, they have a whole section in the book about, um, use about being smart about alcohol and consent and like how mm -hmm. minds can get blurred and everything like that. Anyway. So I found Danny found me or, uh, I call, I don't know. I, I, she found me. I was like sitting on a curb, literally fucking blowing my eyes out. And she just like put her arm around me and just like, let me cry. Um, now I'm getting emotional again talking about it, but I felt so ashamed for knowingly having sex with somebody who tr like honestly treated me like shit, like to my yeah. face. This wasn't supposed to be like a therapy session, but apparently <laughs> I have some unresolved feelings about it. So I think it's fine. I think plenty of women have been in the same shoes. <laughs> And have thought that they had the, I mean, and this isn't in your scenario, but I'm just thinking like have thought that they had enough control to get themselves into that situation and have it not go as they planned. Um, yeah. And it has ended, yeah, in pseudo assaults, like very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I just finished a book that I think you should read. Okay. What's it called? It's called They Will Never Learn. 
And I think you're going to love it. It's nonfiction, but you think I'm going to love it? Uh-huh. Okay. They will never- It just hit me. You're really going to love it. It, okay. it involves, well, so it might be a little trigger warning though, because it does involve some like sexual assaults on college campuses, but the thing that happens as a result is very interesting. Uh, so that was like another thing that I had on my list, which I actually don't have as much of an emotional response to as the crying while having sex. Um, because I I have processed this trauma, like I literally have processed this trauma. Um, so I actually was like legitly, I was sexually assaulted. I was raped. Um, when I when we were living in Manzi, uh, I went to uh, the village with Ali, and we were just like walking around because the village. I think Michelle you could always find a party. You could always find a party. Doesn't matter what fucking uh, day it was. So I think it was like some random weeknight, and I was like, "Let's go to the villa. Like, let's walk over there and let's like find a party." And so we go over there, and yes, we had been drinking again. I'm not blaming myself. Could I have made smarter decisions? Sure. Could we all have made smarter decisions? Of course. But- I think it's a complex issue, though. You were dealing with alcohol abuse while right. also dealing with sexual abuse just yes. because you were drinking alcohol doesn't make the sexual abuse okay no, it no, never no. ever will never, those never are happened. two separate incidents completely but sure alcohol does cloud judgment it does um make you more vulnerable it does put you in a situation but just because you're in a vulnerable situation it takes someone taking advantage of that vulnerability that is the problem not yeah. you being vulnerable someone taking advantage of your vulnerability that is the crime not your vulnerability yes yes i think it's super super important because i think that that line gets blurred you know like when people talk about um like rape culture in terms of well did you see how they were dressed or they were asking for it it doesn't matter the minute someone does something against someone's will right it is not okay yes right if i'm walking around naked that does not give you the right to touch my body no or even necessarily look at your body like even if you're walking around like that you know like whatever anyway um yes i completely agree and that's another fucking double standard right because guys are fucking walking around with their gray sweatpants and you know i'm just kidding but i'm not (laughs) (laughs) you guys my eyes are up here oh really oh really sir what about like every any time that i'm wearing a normal fucking shirt you guys i'm not even showing cleavage and just because i have a large chest men are always fucking looking at it all right sometimes women do too and that's actually kind of a compliment so um whatever anyway so yeah it was it was um actually an experience that i had repressed i literally repressed the memory um because your you know your brain does thing your body does things to protect you um and so i like but now i can remember like what happened but i didn't remember it after we walked out of so it was like ali and i were walking around the village there were these two guys that were drinking on their patio. They invited us in for a drink. We didn't know them, but we said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. 
Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we're 18 year olds. We don't know what we're doing. Let's go in and have drinks with these random strangers. And I remember like Allie went back in the room with like one dude. And then I was like in the living room with the other dude. And like, I don't know exactly what, what made this happen. But I remember saying no, like a whole, like so many times. And then him just like, I couldn't get away. Like he put himself on me and I couldn't, I couldn't get out. Escape it. Yeah. Escape. Um, but I remember saying, no, 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 no. Like I, I don't want to do this. You know, like I remember saying no, um, but he did it anyway. And then, and then that happened. And then I was feeling, I remember feeling so ashamed and just like, so confused and just like scared. And then like, I don't, I don't fucking know what happened to Allie. I don't know what happened with her in that room, but she came back out and then I was like, okay, let's leave now. Like, let's go. Um, and then I don't even remember if we talked about it, honestly, I, I just remember like getting the fuck out of there and then repressing the memory. And then literally I was in group therapy like 10 years later and out of fucking nowhere, it just comes all flooding back. We weren't even talking about assault. We weren't talking about sex. I don't know what we were talking about, but I, I just remembered the whole experience. Um, and it was actually a great place to remember this experience because I was in group therapy. And so I was able to um, pro like process the trauma and like have mm -hmm. all these feelings. And then I had, we had, there were two um, therapists, a, a man and a woman. And I was, I, they literally let me sit in between them and they were both just like hugging me. That's so sweet. Me, like process my feelings, you know? And then like the rest of the group, people were like so supportive and just like group therapy is fucking amazing. And that's just my shout out for anybody that has maybe done just like one-on-one -on -one therapy and you're looking for another type of therapy. Group therapy kind of really humbles you as a person. And it makes you realize that like, no matter what walk of life somebody has come from, we as humans are all pretty much fucked. And <laughs> we all have very similar, um, like experiences, even if they're different. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, I realized by being in group therapy and, and you learn, like when you're listening to somebody else's experience, you can then think to yourself like, oh my gosh, I've had like a similar experience. Like it's obviously not the exact same, but like I've had a similar experience. And then you can listen to what the therapists say to that person. And it kind of helps put things into perspective for you. So it's right. not like, cause it's not coming to you necessarily. And so for me, um, group therapy worked really well because I, Michelle knows, I hate when people tell me what to do, like absolutely fucking detest it. So even if I'm paying somebody to tell me what to do, I still don't necessarily so listen. won't listen. Yep. Yeah. Um, but in a group setting, when they're saying it to somebody else, you'll take it and then you'll say oh like, that's a good idea oh, i'll do that that's a great idea yeah exactly yeah. so because they're not telling you directly yes precisely it's called reverse psychology everybody no i'm i'm just kidding i don't think it is but so yeah i've been body shamed my entire life and i know we've talked about that before and i've struggled with um addiction my entire life and and when what i say like so i've been treating my nails since i was two years old and then this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with sexuality necessarily, except it kind of does, because I think Michelle and I have talked about this before, but I was literally just diagnosed with ADHD and 
I'm on the spectrum. I'm on the autism spectrum. I just got diagnosed like two months ago, right? Three months. I don't know. It's been a couple months since I've found yeah, this out. Yeah, it's been a few months. As a 36-year-old though, and then looking back at my life and how I've processed things or how I've, um, what I've done my entire life, I'm like, oh my God, that makes so much fucking sense. Like that is a stem. Like I've literally been stemming my whole life. And that's like one of my, chewing my nails is something that I do when I'm feeling any sort of way, honestly, when I'm feeling anxious or like if, if I'm trying to focus, I mean, it's just something for my hands to do. Playing with my hair, play with my hair constantly. Um, I don't, it's just like, it's anyway. So I know TikTok, it's like, it's hilarious because TikTok is the reason why I actually decided to like get professional diagnosis done. Um, so like, thank you everybody for talking about the thing. And actually Michelle just sent a video that was awesome talking about like the, instead of saying neurodivergent and neurotypical saying neuro majority, majority and neuro minority, minority, which makes a lot of sense. Cause you're right. We're not deviant. Like it's just, we all have different, you know, things in our brains. Yeah, uh, you know? it, And it, it said something about like, um, just because the brain is different doesn't mean that there's like a deficit it just means that it's different correct um but but it's still valid and it still brings positive things to society as a whole and one of the things they talked about are like uh tesla and einstein and a bunch of very smart inventors yes um that based on quirks and and writings about them you can probably assume that they were autistic or um had AD like they they had some neurodivergence yeah yeah yeah. air quotes like they had that so why are we dissing it so much when it can provide so much value right and like we should all just appreciate that we all think differently and we you know some people might have um different abilities or different ways of looking at things right because this guy was actually he's he's dyslexic and he did the example like you know they're they're finding that people that have dyslexia actually have greater spatial awareness than people that don't have dyslexia and like that's pretty fascinating because it's like excuse me if your brain has one thing like it's working like one way so like in my case with adhd it's not the fact that and also adhd shows up completely differently in men and women and um it's not that i can't focus i can focus very well if i want to focus on something Mm -hmm. um it's the um executive dysfunction right and michelle sent me a video about that too but basically executive dysfunction is a real thing and there are like eight different levels of function like normal functioning in your brain and it and so like executive dysfunction impacts your decision making ability and like it's like it's like paralysis that that happens it's like mental paralysis where you just get so overwhelmed with everything that you just can't do anything if i don't know if that makes sense hopefully you guys can resonate with that but um and now that i'm taking my medication i found that i have less executive dysfunction um however i still get overwhelmed And I still, you know, I still have problems focusing sometimes. 
especially on tasks that I really don't want to do. Before I was diagnosed, I was trying, I, I was doing like coping, there were coping mechanisms that I developed with, without even knowing that I had these in the DD world, we call them adaptive skills or maladaptive skills. Thank you. So, so if if it's adaptive, both. if yeah, if it's adaptive and it's working well and it doesn't cause any issues between your functioning or uh, functioning with society as a whole, then it's yeah. an adaptive skill. And okay. if it disrupts other people or yourself or puts you at risk um, of injury or harm or someone else at risk of injury or harm, then it's a maladaptive behavior. Okay. So you're doing it to relieve some internal, uh, why am I forgetting the word? Stimuli. You're doing it to relieve an internal stimuli. And so you're going to have either an adaptive coping mechanism or a maladaptive coping mechanism to deal with those. So right now, do you see what I'm doing? I'm literally swaying. She's stimming. She's stimming. I'm, I'm, I'm stimming. Um, which I've been doing my whole fucking life, but I didn't mm-hmm. know that that's what it was called, right? Like, had no fucking idea, but I do all of them. I have, like, all of them. Um, but the the chewing of the nails, like, that has been, I remember doing that from very, 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 very young age. And then my mom, like, constantly fucking slapping my hand, like, get your fingers out of your mouth. Get your fingers out of mm-hmm. your mouth. I'm like, bitch, don't fucking, like, hmm. I'm just kidding. Mother, I love you. I don't actually think she listens to this podcast, so it's fine. Um, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm meant to listen to your podcast. She doesn't have Spotify, though. It's a whole thing. Anyway. I don't uh, think my parents would ever listen to it, because I don't think they'd ever really okay. agree with it, but it's fine. No, 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 no. no. They, they for sure would not agree with, I don't think, anything that we're talking about here, but that's fine. But my husband listens to it, even when he gets mad at us and doesn't agree with us. He still listens. That's, yeah, but, but... Robert is really good about ha- keeping an open mind and having conversations. Even if we don't agree, we can still have like, we can still have open and honest discussions about, about things. Right. Yeah. So I always feel like I can talk to Robert about anything, even if he doesn't agree with me, because I don't feel like he's going to like, like shame me or like, like, like put me down for like my belief or whatever, you know, like, right. Whereas your parents, I don't know, like, just don't <laughs> talk to them about that at all. Don't talk about politics or religion or anything. Exactly. Yeah. Just keep it very surface, you know, with mom and papa, just real surface. So um, I, I'm real distracted. Sorry about that. Let's fo- refocus, Janine, refocus. And the, so the last, like, shame thing I feel like that I felt was remaining in toxic relationships for way too long. So, like... Mm-hmm. My baby daddy is what that was a horribly toxic relationship. And I just learned that, like, I always thought that he wasn't physically abusive. But even though he wasn't, like, physically hitting me or anything like that, there are other signs of physical abuse um, that I just learned about, like, like controlling food or, like, um controlling um doesn't that fall under psychological abuse or does it not does it fall under physical i would think like it's physical psychological uh, emotional and meant like mental like yeah right 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 right. yeah so 
I used to just say, to, you know, I used to just think, oh, he was just really verbally and like meant like psychologically abusive to me. But actually, he was physically abusive, too, because he wouldn't like hit me physically, but he would like throw things, for example, like that's a sign of physical abuse. Or, yeah, yeah. or he would punch the wall instead of like punching me or like and like I also display because what that does is it um, it puts the fear of physical abuse yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like in your in your brain because if you watch him physically abuse something else and i'm like at what point does it turn to you yeah Yeah, and i i always knew i was like i i always knew in the back of my head like he could fuck me up if he wanted to like he could fucking kill me with his hands you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. he wasn't he wasn't even a big guy but he was very strong very very strong um anyway like our boundaries have gotten my boundaries with him have gotten much better over the year because over the years because um we have a child together um and i've always given him every opportunity to be a parent right because now it becomes about your child and not about your relationship correct um but i have to keep that in mind because if he was like that with me, why, of course, what would stop mm-hmm. him from being like that with our child, you know? And he was really fucking mean to animals. Like, I I mean, honestly, you guys, I look back and I'm like, and I know that this is a, to- you know, this is a, a sensitive topic, but I know that there are a lot of women and men that are in abusive relationships that don't just walk away and everybody's like well why can't you just leave them walking away is the most dangerous time for domestic abuse leaving actually puts the person at more risk risk. of death because the risk of murder um is higher higher when they're trying to leave yeah because because domestic abuse is about control so the minute someone feels like they're losing control they will do anything to to maintain that control yeah and so like but it was like also like when you're in a relationship and you've been treated a certain way for so many years and they've literally that the abuser has literally chipped away your sense of self and your sense of worth and your sense of like everything that's good you know about you as a person you can't see when you're in that situation you can't see how fucking shitty it is until you get out and then you can say oh my god why did i let myself be treated like that for so long and again so apparently another therapy session it's janine just being super raw and open and emotional (laughs) because like i i just get so like i get so mad at myself like when i think about the treatment like that i've allowed myself to endure by men by men it's not it's not from women it's always from fucking men and like the these ladies they said in the book the um the the fucked book um they were talking about so it's like when we were talking about shame and the historical roots they were in talking about social media um they actually say that um teen girls that girls between the ages of 10 and 14 actually um make they make up a small percentage of suicides per year but the rate of their demographic experienced the largest percent increase tripling over 15 years 
from 0.5% to 1.7 per 100,000 people um, for girls because of this, the effect of social media and this whole slut shaming like movement or body shaming or any sort of shame that women, not necessarily women do to women, but just like people do. And like mm -hmm. to, to women specifically, um, like, you know, I feel like we should be clear. It happens to everybody, happens but to we're everybody. kind of focusing on the women aspect of it. Correct. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. Um, just because we are women, if you, if you didn't know. We can speak more for ourselves and our experience, um, yes. but I just want to make sure that we're clear that we understand that happens to other demographics. Oh, of course. Um, we're just going to speak to ours. So here's some um, quotes that they said about like shame um, in terms of sex. So here's, it says, and this, this, this resonated with me. Um, so much. So it says, sex is no different. We become single, go on a casual, casual fucking spree, <laughs> eventually feel nauseated by so many meaningless interaction rituals, and then get mad at ourselves, vowing to not have sex until we've gone on three dates with someone who really means something to us. Like, literally, yes, yes. Is like my fucking experience. Like I, I go through these cycles where I'm like, it's fine. I'm just gonna have some sex. Like I'm just gonna fuck. Like who cares? And then I get so mad and just like so pissed at like mankind. Sorry, men, but I just get really fucking mad at you. Okay. And then, um, and then I do. I vow not to have sex again. And I'm like, I'm gonna find the next time I have sex, it's gonna be with a man who like takes me on the dates and blah. And then I fucking lie to myself. And what do I do? I fuck them, even if we're not going on dates and they don't treat me well. And it's like, Janine, what are you doing? Oh, do I still yeah. do this? Oh yes, I do. You guys, I literally just did it. Like the last couple months have been like hey, do you actually like having sex with these randos? I mean, they're they're like, they're not randoms because I've, they're like, I've had sex with them more than once. So it's like, so we're stepping it up in the fact that it's not just one night stands anymore. So good job, Janine. But it's almost worse because it's like, I understand. And we, we've, we're, we're adult, we're all adults, right? So we've had these conversations like, and the guys will say, oh, I'm just like, I don't, I'm not looking for a relationship Plus, all of them are really fucked up, and so am I. Okay, we all are, we're all dealing with some things. Um, and uh, so I'm like, cool, cool. Yeah, that I, I get that. Like, I don't necessarily want to be in a relationship with you either. But then I'm like, but do you want to be in a relationship, Janine? Do you really want to be in a relationship? And I don't know the answer to that question, you guys. Um, I really feel like now, like, in my 36 years of life, that I need to actually just focus on my relationship with myself. Um, and like, that's what these, that's what these ladies um, are getting at too. Like once the act of being unapologetically ourselves is seen as less of a hike, we'll be, we'll all be able to relax a little. There are still too many women on the planet who value being with a man more than they value being their own person. This isn't only dangerous for the individual woman, it's a danger to all women in a society where women already hold less value than men. 
Whether you identify as a woman, a man, or non-binary, the first step in not getting mind-fucked is recognizing your value and demanding that other people who want to be a part of your life recognize it as well. So it's all about boundaries, right? And that's, so I, I took these quotes out of, I mean, there's, this book is amazing and I bet the podcast is super good. So I'm just saying that you guys should check it out, okay, if you want to learn more. But, you know, why I think that's so so important to note is because I feel like I'm just now, like, I've just started to realize that in my 30s is that, you know, I do have a lot of value and I'm an awesome person and I, I have a lot to give to a potential partner, but I shouldn't just give it to anybody, you know, but then it's like, but then I counter, I fucking always am like counter acting my thoughts and um yeah before you know like masturbation was perfectly fine for me you know what i mean like there are lots of physical and mental benefits of having sex um and not just not just heterosex but just like having that like human connection like it releases oxytocin and it releases like all these like really good things endorphins and dopamine and like fucking great things and it like reduces stress and it does all of that stuff but i was doing that by myself just fine for years for like you know i've been i've been celibate and when i say celibate i just mean i still please myself but i just don't have partners right um Mm -hmm. so i've been celibate before for i think the longest i went was like four and a half years and granted part of that time i was pregnant so that's almost a fucking year right of being pregnant during that time i was actually like very content and like very happy and i think i was i was coming to terms with myself a little bit more i mean i had i had been when i was 27. so i was still um i was still figuring things i fuck i'm still figuring things out right now (laughs) Shit. In other words, this is another quote. In other words, enjoying your life is important because the act of enjoyment is the acknowledgement that you lead a life in which you have the privilege to do so. It says that uh, P and V sex (laughs) improves vaginal and pelvic muscle function, strengthens cardiovascular health, decreases hot flashes in menopausal women, decreases the likelihood of developing breast cancer, lowers susceptibility to stress, and allows a faster recovery from stress. Some sources even say that semen is a mood booster. (laughs) Granted, one of those sources is Spike TV, whose male audience might have a slightly biased take on it. But even (laughs) Sigmund Freud believed that using a condom during heterosexual vaginal intercourse negatively affects the orgasm, which then increases the presence of neuroses by distributing the natural flow of the libido. Um, And then it says in quotes, remember, Freud was fucking obsessed with repression. Yes. (laughs) Oh God, I wouldn't take Freud's. Uh, no, 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 no. I would take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, right. I mean, also let's talk about like abortions and stuff like that. Cause that just goes into a whole nother aspect of like, sure, oh. don't use a condom, don't use protection, but then what? Like, come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and um, so both um, Corinne and Christina, like throughout this book, they they each tell difference like of their own personal stories that kind of talk about sex and shame and like all you know all these things 
and they're really funny and just and witty. Um, I'm not necessarily going to quote. Well, I'm, I, there are some quotes that I took from their particular stories, but this is like, these are the chapters I think that are written by both of them. You know what I mean? While many things can make your pussy tingle or your dick stand at attention, it seems vaginal intercourse has that certain je ne sais quoi. Brody cites a study of young American women in which it was found that the longer a female went without vaginal intercourse, the worse she scored on the Beck Depression inventory. So pause, put a pin in that. So then I was thinking to myself, like, while I was reading this, I was like, but like, if I have a vibrator, that's kind of like it's simulating vaginal intercourse. And I'm having right, can't orgasm, that, yeah. Then, yeah, then I don't think that I'm going to be depressed, even though I'm not having like physical contact with somebody. Like, but I'm I am depressed. <laughs> that has nothing to do with my sex life. I just literally have had depression my whole life. So I don't know that was just like a that's just a thought that I had. I feel like I mean, your overall satisfaction affects depression, like period oh, for yeah, everybody. Yeah. Like, so the more um, satisfied you are, probably the less depression symptoms one might have. Like, I think it's, but it's all person dependent. Correct. Right, right. Um, don't worry, guys. This is not just for hetero heteros. Okay, here's. Um, continues there's also psychological research to back up all sex and intimacy as quality of life enhancers here's looking at you same sex sexers and cuddlers in fact sociologist randall collins has argued that sex can be explained only in a social context basically collins believes that each person's existence is made up of a series of things he refers to as interaction rituals that make our physical existence possible and also give it meaning and that everything in our lives including sex is an interaction ritual because of this by collins school of thinking it is not within the genitals that sexual pleasure is being created but rather through the cooperation and interaction between two people a study conducted in the early 2000s by researchers Cindy Meston and David Bust revealed that many of the 400 students they interviewed about having sex were not having it because it physically stimulated them, but because of some psychological reason. So, in quotes, power, punishment, and pity were all listed as reasons to fuck someone. Fun times. As Noam's wow. Spancher... PhD points out the deep experience of sexual pleasure deepens somehow on the presence and conduct of others. And that little horny ones is why prostitutes have never been replaced by fleshlights and blow up dolls. <laughs> you guys, seriously, I'm going to read this whole fucking book. Like, I'm obsessed. Um, okay. So, like, why do we wrap our sexuality and sexual choices so much in shame? So, it's like, we. They say, perhaps we are uncomfortable with the urges that connect us to, to other creatures we see as primitive or dirty. So doggy style isn't necessarily looked at as like reverence for man's best friend. And if we're squeamish about simple, straightforward sex, we're even more uncomfortable with the complexities of our deeper sexual selves. Even straight people who enjoy vanilla sex, which is the norm, quote unquote, struggle to come to terms with their sexuality. So what hope do 
sorry guys. So what hope do homos have who like their nipples clamped and their butthole tickled? <laughs> These are tough questions and try as we might to answer them. The truth is that sexuality and shame are like fingerprints. Everyone's are different and there's no one size fits all solution. As just two individual women, all we can speak to is our own sexual truth and share our own unique perspectives on shame. So from here on out, we'll be taking terms on the um, microphone. Okay, so then they're now they're going to talk about their specific stories um, and what not to do is for everything from blowjobs to breakups in matters of the heart and horniness. Um, don't worry, you'll know who's speaking with these handy cartoons. They have little cartoons of themselves. Um, and so then they like go into their stories. So this was um, Corinne's story. She It's titled Slut Shaming. And so here's a quote. So again, these these women are comedians in New York City, okay? So there, she's talking about like when she's talking, when she's performing in a comedy club and she asks the audience, are there any feminists in the room? It says, the silence I am greeted with is undoubtedly a direct result of fear. Fear that by a woman admitting she is just as powerful as the man sitting next to her the dick of aforementioned man might be a little less hard in the bedroom later that night. In our quest to find mates, we are continually and repeatedly losing ourselves. Ugh, I, I just, you guys, I just resonate so much with this book, okay. And then she says, to quote Tina Fey's character in Mean Girls, you all have to, you all have got to stop calling each other sluts and whores. It just makes it okay for guys to call you sluts and whores. Um, okay, so then she comes up with, and I, I love these, she's talking about like women specifically, like slut shaming other women in this context. Okay. Um, and so here she says, we nitpick the women around us because it's a relief from being nitpicked by society. We nitpick because we somehow have the idea that by doing so we are making ourselves look better when really we're just making ourselves look worse. Every stab of the knife into another woman becomes a step up for a man on the ladder of the patriarchy. Boo! <laughs> we women must be better to one another, over the top nice to one another, kind when it seems unnecessary and borderline lesbianic. Okay, so then she <laughs> comes up with the 10 sisterhood commandments uh, or strong suggestions. Number one, thou shalt not use the weaknesses of other women as a step stool to elevate ourselves. There is room enough for all of us to succeed. Number two, thou shalt not make a fellow woman feel bad for being her best self. The world would be a lot better if we were all our best selves. Number three, thou shalt remember the negative things we say about women are more of a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. Calling someone else ugly only shows how ugly we really are. Truth. Number four, thou shalt not fuck a person who is in a monogamous relationship with a fellow woman, whether or not the woman is someone you know. Extend others the same courtesy you would hope they would extend to you. Oh, on that note, there was one more thing that I was like that I thought of that I was ashamed about. Uh, again, when I was in college, I definitely did have an instance where I was the other woman, and I definitely hooked up with a dude in his fiance in his bed, and she was pregnant 
with history. <gasps> I know. Again, not for you. This is totally on that that guy. Uh, what a jerk! I, that poor I, girl. I knew though, but I knew that he had a. I've met. I met her. I fucking met her. Anyway, um, that's in the past, you guys. I haven't done it again since. But have I other? Have I made some other questionable sexual decisions? Yes, I have. Um, Number five, thou shalt stop commenting on other women's bodies, positively or negatively. You're probably not a doctor. Number six, thou shalt compliment little girls for more than being pretty or having a beautiful dress. And thou shalt compliment oh my God, adult yes. women. Yes, for more than having great legs or cute shoes. There's nothing wrong with caring about beauty and fashion, but being a woman is so much more than appearance. Preach. Number seven. Thou shalt be honest in the interest of your fellow women's protection, not for your personal satisfaction. Harsh, harsh truths can be crucial for someone's safety, but a lot of the time you're probably just being a bitch. <laughs> Number eight. Thou shalt stop saying, Yas, queen. We stole that from gay men anyway. Number nine. Thou shalt wear underwear when trying on bathing suits. We know there's that hygiene sticker, but if your pussy touches the sticker and then my pussy touches the sticker, what's the fucking point of the sticker? <laughs> and number 10, <laughs> thou shalt be cognizant of the amount of time we spend talking about boy problems. We have so much to achieve and so much time to make up for. Yes, good. I love that. Love it. Love it, Corinne. Thank you. Um. Yeah, so I, I really liked those. I resonated with this. And then she was talking about, um, again, talking about the slut shaming, slut shaming, that like she's always been a very confident person. And um, I too, I resonate with this because I used to be called confident like all the time, even though I really wasn't that confident and I actually had a lot of self-hatred. But women who are confident or who come off as assertive or like direct or whatever, we get called bitches. You know, like we just get called that we're a, we're a bitch for being mm -hmm. confident and for being assertive and for, you know, speaking our truth, like, which is so fucking stupid. Um, and so then she talks, um, she found this blog on the internet called alpha game which is by uh, a man and and she says that um this is the most press the alpha game blog will ever get and that's probably a mistake on my part but hey i also recently decided what size couch i should order by eyeballing it furthermore so many books on feminism and women's studies only quote highbrow sources or major social and political figures and that's not how most people think so then she said so there's a contributor to the alpha game with the screen name vd <laughs> and he posted an article bluntly titled why normal men hate strong women and so she quotes an excerpt from this um, so here's the excerpt from the blog from this dude VD. He says, when people say that men can't handle strong women, they're half missing the point. It's not that men can't do it, it's that they don't want to do it. When I hear strong or intelligent woman, my first thought is, ah, she's a constant pain in the ass to everyone around her. <laughs> because rightly or wrongly, they feel inferior. 
That sort of woman is constantly trying to prove she is strong enough or smart enough. And try hard women aren't any more attractive or pleasant to be around than try hard men. My reaction to a try hard woman trying to prove herself is usually to ask, for what? Strong enough for what? Smart enough for what? Okay, so that was end quote for him. And um, and then Corinne says that she chose this particular section because she doesn't fully disagree with it. Many men are put off by women who bust their balls, speak their minds, and generally act like equals. Some men like a challenge, and those are the men I date. Me too. Um, but a high percentage of men don't want to be bothered. Why make life more difficult than it already is? In a way, I get it. Part of the reason I don't want kids is because I imagine the hassle will outweigh, outweigh the reward. Maybe a difficult woman is comparable. The catch here is that we all need to be more difficult or IE our own fucking people. Right? Yep. And then that's where that quote is. Once the act of being unapologetically ourselves, we'll be able to relax a woman a little. Okay. So I already quoted that, but I loved it. Ooh, sorry. I'm, I'm not tired. I'm just, um, I'm overwhelmed by my feelings. I mean, yeah, you just had a lot of uh, feels in there. Makes sense. <laughs> okay, and also, like, I just wanted to tell you guys, because I don't remember if I've said this, but um, I also just recently figured out that I'm bisexual, so that's, that's fun for me. Um, and I... Um, I thought it would be a fun idea to get on some dating sites that, or to get on, to create, and I've since- Profiles? Deleted. Yeah, yeah. But I created like a profile, a new profile, like on Hinge. And I said that I was by curious, I don't know. They all, they have like, one of the apps had like so many different like categories. Options? Yeah. And so I feel like I selected by curious because I have never had, I've never done anything with a woman below the belt. So like, I don't, you don't know if that's something I don't actually you know like. if that's something that I would like. Um, I'm not opposed, but I'll make more open-minded to it now. Um, but I'm not like actively seeking out women, if that makes sense. I'm not, I'm not actually not actively seeking out men right not now. Anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I deleted, I've since deleted all the profiles, but I did find this other app and now I can't remember what it was called, but it was specifically for kink, like kinky, like people. And it was for, so like, like part, like, um, partnered people could like get on it and looking for like a third, if you Ooh, will. Like, okay. Or, or like there were, um, like people specifically looking into different kinks and like BDSM and like they would put their like fantasies and their fetishes on there. So it was fascinating. Like I didn't match with anybody, excuse me, but I just, I'm just like really fascinated again, why, you know, why we're talking about it. And I'm just like really fascinated with, with different things that people are into. And it's like, it's just like really interesting to learn about, you know? Um, and also, I'm sure that you guys are are all aware of this, but um, like everybody's genitals look different, and they're all okay. They're all normal. You know what I mean? Um, and like people have different odors. People have different 
sensitivities, people have different likes and dislikes. And at the end of the day, like, I feel like I'm so into consent right now. Like, I mean, we should always, we should have always been about consent, but I feel like I'm like so into consent right now because I really, um, I really, it's so important, you know, and like, and to, to put your, like your boundaries out there when it comes to sex or otherwise. Um, but like, for me, I think it's easiest to like, think about consent in, in terms of like my sexuality. Um, and I guess, um, like thinking about my boundaries in that way has, has kind of helped me like curate better boundaries in other aspects of my life. If yeah. that makes sense. Um, but like I had like one of the three guys that I've been dealing with this year, one of them was like, why are you so into consent? Like they literally asked me that because, you know, every time we were hanging out, like I always, this is like, this is something else that I'm confused about. So I want to have a conversation about this. I want to, I want to get your thoughts on this, everybody. Okay. I don't know what it is about me do i just put off like inadvertent sexuality michelle am i just like a very sexual person can you feel the energy i mean kind of you're an outgoing person so it's like there's something i'm giving off some sort of vibes out there to the men specifically because it's like and maybe it's just because I, maybe it's because I still don't have good boundaries with myself. And I like, I still have like all of these like unrepressed, um, like feelings of shame and stuff. That um, was kind of my thought was that it probably has more to do with boundaries than anything else. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but it just seems like, like whenever I'm trying to get in like relationship, like where we date and like, we are like actually like in a relationship it doesn't seem like that happens. It just seems like we end up just having sex and like we might go on dates, but it's like, mm, but I'm not like interested in you like that. So then it's just like, so then I'm, does that make, does this make sense to yeah. you? Okay. So then I'm like, so then I always am second guessing myself and like double, like, I'm just like, what, like, what am I putting out there? Like, I don't understand. Like I'm, I'm not trying to like put out this blatant sexual energy. And also I just like learned like that sex is like healing and it's like something that is so powerful and like we as women well and and men but i i feel like we as women like in in looking at more of like um from a spiritual way sort of like from a witchy way if you will right because um perhaps you guys don't know about this but i've gotten way into um i wouldn't say witchcraft per se like i'm not doing spells and shit but like I've I'm like learning more about Arcana and about using my gifts. Like I know that's uh-huh. crazy, but I swear to God, you guys, that I am slightly telepathic. Okay. And I also have um some other gifts that I haven't like tapped into. But I feel like the whole sexual thing, I've been thinking about it. And like I feel like that's they get healing fucking energy from my vagina, okay? Like, I know that sounds fucking crazy, but I should not give this energy out to any, to everybody, to any to anybody unless they deserve the energy. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh, my God. I know. I know we, we kind of got on some 
random tangent. They, it all relates to sex. All right, great. Um, and now I feel like I've lost it, Michelle. I feel like maybe we should just break it, for now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all. It was heavy, but it was, was good. I liked it. And then next week we can talk more about like kinks and stuff like that. Oh yes, I think next week we need to just talk about like kinks and fetishes. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. I think I like that. Yeah, yeah. So I want because I think it's out- important. It's important to like you know, here we're talking about like the risks of sexual assault and being sexually assaulted and, you know, setting boundaries and finding yourself and all that. Like, I feel like that was what this episode is. And now we get like next episode, we get to take it a little bit farther. Right. And dig into like, and to dig into the fun of it. Okay. Right. Like here's some things that people do like no judgment. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I think it's totally fine. Okay, guys. So, um, yeah, that was, I'm, we were just like, um, I just went on a tangent and now my brain doesn't work anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to, <laughs> she broke herself. I, I broke myself and the feelings, man, the feelings. Fuck. Um, I'm, I'm really sober right now too, which is probably why I'm feeling so fucking much. Cause usually I smoke the chronic, so I don't feel the things as much. Um, but I decided it would be important to actually be sober to have this conversation with you guys today because I wanted it to be as real and raw as possible. I know that our listeners have probably had some experiences in their own uh, lives with with their sexuality and, and maybe feelings of shame. Um, and, you know, it, we invite you if you if you want to share with us, like, uh, please feel free to share any experiences. But of course, um, if you want to remain anonymous, then that is great too. But just hopefully gave you some food for thought today. Um, Next week, we are going to continue talking about sex, but in a more fun way. More so, uplifting. More uplifting, but we're going to explore like BDSM and specific kinks and fetishes that that um, exist out there. So it will be a, like a little educational um awakening and um for you freaks out there maybe you are maybe yeah about yeah. these things but maybe i'm gonna it's be pretty learning. normal i'm gonna be learning about some things and maybe i'll try them out me too yeah i'm excited to hear about these things okay okay, okay so, bye until next time just okay bye bye stay safe use consent yeah. consent yeah hey guys it's michelle Thank you so much for listening to Unlimited Growability Conversations. Please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to to help open up this conversation to new listeners. If you want more information about things we discussed today, go ahead and visit unlimitedgrowability.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Unlimited Growability, or you can reach out and send us an email at unlimitedgrowability at gmail.com. <laughs>